Kia ora from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoetoe, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. We've got this two-week series uh, here in Southside called Great Faith. And, you know, we started last week. Today's the last part of, of this two-week series. And the aim of the sermon, the actual series, would would be to is to have a have a greater understanding um, of a I guess a, a biblical doctrine um, and and a teaching about faith, how that works for us and how how to apply it um, even to our lives um, this year for 2019. And you know we, we probably all have some kind of aspect of what faith is in our lives. But I'm really praying that if um, you know, last week and this week, uh, this particular message will really take you to another level in your faith this year. Because I believe we all need it. I believe there's such an amazing season. You probably had uh, an amazing season last year if you look back and see what God has done. But He wants to take you deeper in, 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 in Him in regards to what you are doing this year. I really believe that. And that's, you know, really a massive prayer for us when we come together at prayer meeting on, on Tuesday. Uh, we had a great prayer meeting on Tuesday. Uh, we had some other friends that had that had come. Um, it's Maddie, Alfreda, and Maddie. You know, Lisa, Lisa, we still if you're here, you know, they they had brought along some some other people that were not Christian. Um, that sat there um, in our prayer meeting, and you know that's not common for our prayer meeting because you're comfortable in your place when you're worshiping God. And then when someone comes and throws a spanner in the works, and there was a group of, of you know, gentlemen that had come in not knowing God, but left probably, I pray, inspired. Um, and see, isn't it funny that God is breaking loose in some of these areas that you, we would never expect? We may be praying up there on a Tuesday and praying to save this community and save, you know, reach the, reach the people that, we don't, that don't know him. And we come in here in church and we come, it's a comfortable place because, you know, it's a safe place. And then God just mixes it up by putting people in like that. And you think, oh my gosh, what do we do? But it was great. And it just, it's evidence of prayers that have been answered and evidence of where God is taking us in regards to this recon and the strategic planning and prayer. Everything leads to that. And, and um, so when we look at this year, we... we we look at the sermon series, and last week, if you remember, uh, the question was, uh, how do you continue having great faith during the same old boring and mundane uh, routine of your life? Work, school, at home, uh, just the week. And the key, if you remember, was um, just learning how to walk with God. And we learned how that can be done through the story and the life of this man called Enoch, found in the Old Testament. And if you missed last week's sermon, just jump on our podcast or our Facebook page and, and you should find it there to, just to get up to date on this particular sermon series, okay? And our text for the two weeks in the sermon series was shaped around Hebrews chapter 11. And the book of Hebrews is actually a letter and it's written to, you know, encourage the fellow Christians that were living in that time there. And we don't know who the author is of this letter, but the author he writes as if he was writing to people that were already Christian. And, you know, these Christians, they knew the history 
very well of Abraham, of Moses, the Ten Commandments, God's laws, uh, the history of them walking in the desert for 40 years before reaching, you know, the promised land. And this letter is one uh, written to the converts and believers in Jesus at this time. Hebrews was to, you know, it was written to encourage these followers of Christ because at that time, these current Christians, the early church or this new church, because, you know, this radical move had just gone through the nations at the time of Christ. But they were, these Christians were facing persecution. And the author is writing to motivate these Christians to remain faithful, uh, to hold fast to, to their faith, to, to endure this hardship that they were going through, and even to look towards, and most importantly for them, it was to look towards the eternal or, uh, reward that awaits them. And one, main, uh, one of the main parts of this letter to encourage the Christians at the time was to persevere, uh, it's when the author in this letter, he reminds them all about um, the heroes of the faith found in chap uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Now, chapter 11, it, it gives a, a brief outline of these different heroes and, um, you know, and, and the ladies as well on, on, on the image behind, you know, I mean, you can see behind me this image of, of who each believed. They each believed in things that were just impossible to actually believe in. But in time, God showed himself strong through their faith. And we don't have, obviously today we don't have time to talk about all of these people that were hearers of the faith. But I wanted to bring our attention to one mighty person in this um, group here. And it's uh, the man Moses. And as we look at the life of Moses um, you know, just as I go, I really, I don't know if this, this, ser this sermon today will be one that is familiar with you, the words. Moses is a well-known person in the Bible. Last week, Enoch, you may have not, never heard of him before, um, and he plays a little part in the Bible, but it was, you know, in, in the written side, but he actually was huge um, in learning from him. Moses has so many things you can learn from. And so I'm tackling this at, at one, I guess, one angle. Um, there's so many other angles that you need to go away and study about him as well. And I pray that this word today will, will I don't know whether it, it uh, relightens something in you, a, a, a fire. Maybe it's a first time that you've heard something today. I pray that it challenges all of us. Uh, whether it's a simple message for you or whether you've heard this kind of message for the first time. And as we look at the life of Moses uh, through the lenses of, of this book, Hebrews, uh, chapter 11, verses 23 to 26, uh, let's read, you know, let me read what the author writes about him, and, and I'll break these verses down as we go and learn about um, this faith. You know, verse 23, it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hit, hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was no ordinary kid and his parents were not afraid of the king's um, orders. And Moses, you know, his parents, so here we are, Moses' parents, they carried, they carried like this fear of God and they were these great role models of faith. And if you are not aware of the story of Moses in the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew people were once slaves to Egyptians. And the reason they became slaves to Egypt was because they were actually becoming uh, 
to, they were beginning to grow in number. And Pharaoh saw that if they kept growing in number, they'll become too many um, and stronger than the Egyptians. And if war broke out, they could possibly overrule them because of their numbers. And so he makes uh, these he- the Hebrews, uh, the, the people, the Jews, he makes them slaves to have so that he can have control and take their strength and power away. And the other thing he did, Pharaoh did, was he made a law to kill every newborn Hebrew son. And so what he did is he ordered um, all the midwives, the Hebrew, the actual the Hebrew midwives, to kill any newborn Hebrew males any time they were, you know, going to deliver a baby, a Hebrew child. But he doesn't stop there. You know, he's not satisfied, so he decides to put an, an order out uh, to everyone under his authority, which is pretty much everyone that was there, if there is an opportunity that they were to kill any newborn child, Hebrew male. And the way they did it was to take them to the Nile and throw them into the river. He was all about trying to diminish this Hebrew nation. And this is why Moses, his parents, they were fearless in these verses, and they were great role models of being parents of having great faith. They were risk-takers for the sake of the next generation, by going against the authority of the land at that time. And this is why Moses' parents, I mean, like I said, they were fearless. When you think about it, in, in your own personal lives, there will be always a level of risk involved with having faith. And what is risk? The definition of risk is when it is, it's an action uh, that exposes you and I to the possibility of loss or of an injury. You know, one thing that uh, we stepped out to risk, probably about three, but this will be our fourth year now, but um, three years was when we brought, brought our house, you know, we got a house out here in South Auckland. We moved from, um, sold up in our location out in Mount Wellington to move here into South Auckland because we just really felt this is where we were supposed to be. And if you knew back then, some of you may know our story, some of you don't. But if you knew back then, three, four years ago, the market was booming and selling and buying and all these things here in New Zealand. And we, we sold our house in Mount Wellington. It took us one week. It was supposed to go to auction, right? And we prepped it all for auction. Uh, because back then, because of the market was at a good place to sell and, and things, um, auctions were the way to go because apparently you would get more money through an auction. And we prepped it all for our auction. And then come the week of the auction, probably about three, four days before it, um, they told, you know, the, our person that was helping us sell our house came and said, actually, man, you don't need a good auction. Um, there's some good money here for you to, se- you know, for you to sell. So do you want to go to auction or not? That was less than seven days we had sold our house. No auction. And then we moved um, into a garage uh, here in South Auckland, uh, some dear friends of ours. Um, and we lived in their garage, all four of us in this little garage. Come from a, you know, come from a house into to a little garage. And we were blessed to be in that garage. Um, it was like a, you know, like a sleep out. 
And there were four of us in there. And, you know, we weren't used to having this one room and sharing. And the boys were on the floor, on, you know. And, and, um, and it took us a week to sell. But it took us almost seven months to find something to buy. Because it was easy to sell. At that time, but it was hard to buy because the prices were just so high. That's why it was easy for us. And we were in, you know, stayed in this garage, and we were blessed to stay there. And it didn't bother us. You know, as long as we had somewhere to sleep, we were happy. We'd sleep in the car if we needed to. And we were pastoring. We were coming here, coming to church, and doing our thing, loving God, loving you guys, and, and, and just going through the stress of trying to sell. We were looking at houses. We couldn't afford nothing. Um, we almost brought a house down in Puki. And then we almost brought a house past Puki. I can't even remember the location. And I just remember Andrew Go and Ken, they didn't tell me, man, but they were praying that we wouldn't get that house. And I was going to these guys, brothers, can you pray for me? Can you pray for us? We're really believing in this house for Puki. You know, and they're going, yeah, for sure. And then they'd go away and go, nah, nah, we don't feel God is calling them down there. And they'd pray. We didn't know that until after we got the house. I still love them. Um, you know, and... and we were going that far because the further you could go, the cheaper the houses. And we couldn't, we felt, okay, we have no clue. Let's take a risk. Let's come back. We almost brought a, uh, a one-bedroom place, a one-bedroom place for all of us. And, you know, us pastoring a church, you need to, you know, for us, we felt, man, hospitality. We want people to come over. And, like, we going, man, we sit in this living room. And try to run a home group or something. Hey, and I'll turn your Bibles to, uh, yeah, can you, you read your own Bible, you know? And you just squashed up like this. And we went to this place, but we were that desperate. And the people offered it to us, they were going to give it to us. Because they didn't want to put it into auction. Otherwise, you know, um, just, just for certain reasons. I praise God that we didn't. I praise God where we are right now. Um, you know, we took a risk. Now, we sold our house, like I said, it took us one week. When we brought our house, if you're familiar with buying houses, you go into settlement. You go to settlement and it takes about a month, right, to, to, to get it, you know, to first, yep, it's yours. Now it's going to take you a month just to sort everything out. We took three days to do everything. It was crazy because we, were just, we just felt God saying, now I'm not saying you guys do that. I mean, the lawyers were saying to us, the, you know, some of them were saying the most, the fastest time we've ever sold a house in the entire life, Ulu, has probably the fastest have been seven days. And they just said to us, you guys are crazy. Three days, we'll just try and help you out. Uh, long story short, God just intervened. We put all our money in, um, we took the risk, and God blessed us through it. We had saved some money, we put some money aside to try and buy furniture and things, but we put all that money in and and, and put it into the house because we just knew we just try and try and get this this place. Um, that money that we had saved for our furniture, uh, so we had no, you know, we got the house. Yeah, we got no house. Yeah, got nowhere to sleep. Uh, got no, got no furniture. Got no beds. Got nothing. Just my piano and my keyboards. You know, just all my instruments. We don't sell that. Don't you touch that? You know, um, and so. But then, literally, the next day, God. Money turned up in our bank. And IRD had said to us, I called the accountant and I said, oh, look, there's 
You know, those ones when you see money, should I just spend it before it goes back out? <laughs> should I spend it and just live in debt for the rest of my life? Or should I be a Christian? <laughs> well, I became, a, I was a Christian, okay? I did the Christian choice. Praise the Lord. Um, got elders to witness that. And God had, uh, we called the accountant, and the accountant said, Ulu, uh, that money, it's actually yours. Um, there's been a bit of an issue with IRD that they've held money over the last seven years, <laughs> um, you know, to, it, and it's actually yours. How about that? That week. And then I said, okay, so what do I need to pay with it? And they said, Ulu, it's yours. Yeah, I know, but what do I need to pay? You know, and they said, Ulu, you can buy whatever you want. You know, and it was the exact amount that we wanted to buy our furniture. And so that's what we did. God just moved. It was a risk taker for us, but we stepped out because it was a faith move for us. We really trusted God. And we love where we are. We love what God is doing in our place. And we, we always acknowledge Him. We don't take our place for granted. We thank Him for having so many people come around, you know, and, and, and spend time with us there and be able to minister out of there. Now, I say that wouldn't, and I think to myself, that was three years ago, but wouldn't it, uh, back then, wouldn't, it, wouldn't you like it if God could tell you in detail what he, tends, what he intends to do for you in the next three years or the five, in five years' time from now for your life? You know, it would be interesting to know where each of one of us would be in five years' time if we were, if we were able to see that life right now. You know, if we could put your life in five years' time of what it looked like on, on, on the screen, um, I guess some of us might be happy <laughs> uh, with your life if you saw a video of your life in the, five year, you know, in the next five years this morning. Others of us might get a shock of our lives and, and start making changes because <laughs> uh, you're not happy about what you've just turned out to be if we saw a video in five years' time of yourself. It'd be interesting if God worked that way, but the thing is, God doesn't. It doesn't work that way at all. You know, if you remember last week, I, I said that faith, it requires action, right? And faith is not just an idea to, to think about and do nothing about that thought. You know, faith is something that we believe that should then make us step out and physically do. When we read this next verse of, of Moses, um, you know, it says here in verse 24, By faith, when he grew up, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses chose to be, get this, he chose. He chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than to enjoy the, the fleeting pleasures of sin. You know, this part of the letter I find interesting because it refers to Moses' life where he first makes this uh, risky kind of decision. If you read the story of Moses in the book of Exodus, found in the Old Testament, it mentions how Moses, he kills this Egyptian soldier, um, all because this Egyptian soldier is beating a Hebrew. And this Hebrew, obviously, is one of Moses' peoples, you know. And now I think we can all agree that Moses, his method, right, of killing the uh, Egyptian sh uh, soldier, it, it doesn't actually reflect the great faith we read about him in Hebrews 11. However, the risk that he took in standing up for his Hebrew brother, it actually was the beginning of his faith journey. 
Now Moses took a risk by defending the Hebrew slave that was being mistreated and felt it was a sign from God. That's what he, he felt. But that wasn't the case. Because after killing this Egyptian soldier, um, his fellow Hebrew brothers uh, were afraid of him that he might attempt to kill them as well. So the risk that he actually took, it actually backfired on him. Walking by faith is not doing, it, uh, doing you know, the right thing our way. It's actually doing the right thing God's way. And let me add here, you and I will have to take risks with the faith we have inside us. And if you think about it, you can't avoid risk even if you wanted to. Now, your plans for tomorrow, right? Think about tomorrow. What are you doing even after this? But your plans for tomorrow after church it is outweighed by all these unknown things of what will happen to your life tomorrow or after church. Every decision you make today for your life after you leave here is full of things that is just beyond your control. Even if you try to live, I guess, a, a, a risk-free kind of life or a life of safety, um, life never works that way. <laughs> you know, I've tried living like that, a, a risk-free life, a life of safety, in my early years as a full-time minister. There were decisions I needed to make, and I, and I couldn't see which decision was the best decision. There were so many unknowns that there was the temptation for me to just run, run, run away, make a run for it, whatever it was. Or I'd try to divert my kind of thinking to just something else. And I'll put it off, and we call that procrastination, right? I'd start to procrastinate, and hoping that that problem or that issue or those things I needed to deal with will just go away. <laughs> but it never does. It never did. And when I lived like that, hear me here, when I first started pastoring this church, and some of you probably could see that on me. I don't know. But when I lived like that in my early years, as a pastor, it served no one. The fear of making a decision it serves no one. It's a coward's way of thinking. It's a coward's way of living. Faith that requires action, yes, and taking a risk is the only way forward for that action to actually happen. And I always have to fight the fact that, the, the fact that, that I can't make everyone happy in this church. I wish... I could, but I can't. And why is that? Because I'm constantly challenged to take risks with the faith that God always puts in front of me. And all the dreams and the plans I'm believing for, for every nation south side that I feel, man, are ideas that are from God. It requires me to step out and risk some of these unseen ideas. And if I was to 
probably share with some of you my ideas, if I was to share my ideas to you all here this morning, you'd probably think, yeah, he's crazy, man, I'm out. <laughs> or, yeah, I don't know, I don't think that's going to happen. You're probably right. I'm probably crazy, or it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Jokes. I'm not crazy. Okay, I love you. You know, I had to, I had to think about this point as well. If Moses didn't take the risk of stepping out to defend his Hebrew brother, right, by killing this Egyptian soldier, which we've already agreed and made clear that that risk he took, it wasn't a good decision, okay? He would have, if, you know, if he didn't do that, he would have never found his identity and purpose for his life. That risk of defending his Hebrew brother caused him to actually go on the run. And for the next 40 years of his life, he lives in the wilderness. This was before he came back to Egypt to, to free everyone from slavery. But he runs he, on his own for, for, for the next 40 years. He lives in the wilderness. He becomes a shepherd. He gets married. But most importantly, in that time, he actually eventually finds his identity in God and his purpose in life. Moses, he had to be willing to leave Egypt to discover his purpose and his promise. But get this, because of that, he has now become an enemy of Pharaoh. And all the riches and the pleasures that he had access to now are all gone. His social status has changed from being this royal kingship to becoming this low-life peasant. He had passion and care for his Jewish people. And he did, by choosing to be mistreated, meant Moses had rejected the riches and the pleasures of Egypt's, you know, the, the Egyptian culture and the cultured ways to live, um, you know, because he chose God. And he chose this way of following God because he knew God had called him for something. Let me read you this quote. It's from... Uh, Rick Warren, if you, you know, he's a pastor in the States, and this is what it says. Moses had an identity crisis. He was born a Hebrew slave, but raised as Egyptian royalty, the grandson of Pharaoh. And when he grew up, he faced two options. He could pretend to be Pharaoh's grandson. He could pretend to be Pharaoh's grandson for the rest of his life and live a life of luxury and fame and power, or he could admit who he really was, a Jew. If he admitted who he really was, then his family would kick him out to live with slaves with, with slaves, and the, for the rest of his life. He would be disgraced and humiliated and live a life of pain and drudgery. The question that comes to mind here is which life would you have chosen if you were Moses. And I think most people today, we live a life that's a lie. You know, we're trying to be people, a kind of person that we're actually really not. I mean, I lived like that. My early 20s, I pretended to be a Christian. 
You know, yet I lived a life that was heading downhill. You know, I was this perfect-looking Christian on the outside, but I had a dirty heart inside. My heart was dirty. I faked my Christianity. I lived a double life. I was too proud to admit it, that I needed help. And the thing about that is, it was a slow death, and I didn't even know it. Then one day I just, man, I came to a point in my life that I just couldn't live this fake Christian anymore, and I began to humble myself, and I'm telling you now, it wasn't easy to humble myself because I hated it. I hated humbling myself, and that was my journey to, to walking a, a relationship with Christ from then on. You know, Moses, even him, he came to a stage in his life where he refused to live a lie because he wanted to, to live a life of integrity. He, he insisted on being who God made him to be despite all kinds of peer pressure that he was facing. You know, we read it here in the last two verses that I want to talk about in verse 26, and it says, Moses, he valued, he valued suffering in Christ far greater than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the king's anger, for Moses endured because he saw him, meaning God, he saw God who was invisible. This letter, right, I said it before, it was, it was a letter written to the Christians of that time to endure persecution for the faith. And many of them, they were being publicly shamed and losing all their belongings, all because they chose to follow Jesus instead of the cultured lifestyle of the society they were living in. And over time, many of these Christians, they couldn't handle living for Jesus anymore because it was just too hard. And in the reference to Moses with his life of having great faith and being included as one of the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11, I'd like to share this. For me and you, for you and I, there has to come a time where you need to risk, uh, take a risk in the faith God is calling you to take on. Because I believe he has been waiting for you and I to turn that faith into action. And some of you here may, may have heard, you know, may need to, to first, first find your identity in him. So that means you may need to take a risk in stepping into a relationship with God and being obedient, obedient in doing the things that, that he's called you to do. You know, what those things are, you know what they are, that, that you need to change. But because you still want to hold on to the treasures of Egypt, you're not able to see the reward ahead. That reward has been in God's will and the purpose for your life. And some of us here, we may have an identity in Him, right? But you've made a a, a few false starts by doing things your way, like Moses did when killing the Egyptian. He, you know, he, that, that made him fail miserably. 
And so ever since then, you've been too afraid, too afraid to risk it all, to risk it all again with this great faith that God has put in front of you. And I believe God is showing you or reminding you what those things are in your life that have caused you to live in this risk-free or safe mode. And he wants to free you from that way of living and to come back to life again. I want to conclude by saying this. If you and I, if we keep avoiding risking our lives for the gospel, or risking our lives to be Christ-like out in our community, out, out in our world here, the honest truth is, there, just what I was saying there, that may be more, I guess, I want to say it may be more sinful and unloving to do that than actually taking a risk in faith and making a wrong decision. Now, that might come across, I don't know, it might come across pretty harsh. I'm not sure. But the honest truth is, it is easy to take a risk when no one else is involved but you. It is when others are involved in the risk that causes us not to step out. And we become afraid of what people might think of us as Christians that truly love Christ and obey his ways of living. I've seen it throughout my life. Some, some of you probably have as well. Maybe all of you, but then there's some of us that have come a time where you've just been tired of stepping out because of the things that you lose. You take a risk, then you lose. Or you get injured. You get hurt. People hurt you. But your faith builds up again and you go again and then you lose again. And people hurt you. And there's like a pattern that just keeps going like that and then you think, I'm not doing this again. And you may be thinking, man, that, yeah, that's what my life feels like right now in this situation. I've been scared to step out. I've actually been scared to take a risk because I've been hurt. You know, this is how the Christians of that time, in the book of, you know, when we read this letter, this is what they felt like. They needed the encouragement during their persecution. And what better way but to be reminded through the lives of these heroes of faith. And so I finish off with these final verses, which actually steps into Hebrews chapter 12. At the end of sharing all the heroes of faith and sharing their, their, their you know, being encouraged, this is what the writer writes. He goes, therefore, since we are now surrounded by such a cloud, a great cloud of witnesses, these, these heroes of the faith, let's now throw off everything. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that, is, that so easily entangles us. And let us, let's run, let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us, which is the purpose and will of God for your life. 
But as you do that, verse 2, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. For He is the perfecter and He is the finisher of your great faith. Let the rest of 2019, please, let it be different in your homes. Let it be different now with your families or at work or at school, amongst your friends. I don't care. I mean, it doesn't matter what age you are, but let it be different with your friends that don't know, maybe some of them don't even know Jesus. <laughs> and I pray that God will show us how to risk it all. <laughs> to risk it all for Him in the great faith that He is calling you and I to. Let's pray.